about Carrie Randolph, the comic, black comic book artist. Carrie Randolph is an African-American comic book artist. He worked for such publishers such as Marvel's Comics, Epic Comics, DC Comics, Aspen Comics, and Boom Studios. He was born on January 10th, 1979 in Boston, Massachusetts, and is now the age of 42. He went to school of visual arts and has been awarded three Glyph Comics Awards. I am Micah McGee, and that was some facts about Carrie Car- Randolph, the black comic book artist. Thank you. Hello, I am Mason McGee, and t- it's Black History Month, so I'm doing Doug Williams. Douglas Lee Williams, born August 9, 1955, is an American football executive and former quarterback and coach. Williams is best known for his performance with the Washington Redskins in Super Bowl XXII up against the Denver Broncos, which the Washington Redskins soundly defeated the Broncos 42-10, where he was named Super Bowl MVP after passing for 340 yards and four touchdowns, a single-quarter Super Bowl record, which he set in his second quarter, making him the first black quarterback to both start and win a Super Bowl. Following his playing career, Williams began coaching, most notably serving as the head coach of the Grambling Tigers, State Tigers. Following that, Williams has been a team executive for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Virginia Destroyers, and Washington football team. Thank you and God bless. Hi, my name is Braxton Barnes, and I'm going to be talking about how Jackie Robinson made an impact on the um, Black Hair Study Month. So, on April 15, 1947, Jackie Robinson, age 28, becomes the first African-American player in the MLB when he steps onto Ebbets Field in Brooklyn, New York to compete for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Robinson broke the color barrier in the sport that had been segregated for more than 50 years. Exactly 50 years later, on April 15, 1997, Robinson's groundbreaking career was honored and his uniform number 42 was retired from Major League Baseball by Commissioner Bud Seeley in a ceremony attended by more than 5,000 fans. New York City Shea Stadium. Robinson's was the first ever number retired by all teams in the league. I'm Brenda Christman. I'm going to be talking about Harriet Tubman. Known as most of her people, Harriet Tubman was born a slave of truly African ancestry. 
She escaped her freedom and risked her life to save 300 slaves, including her own parents, in 19 separate freedom trips on the Underground Railroad. During the Civil War, Tubman worked for the Union Army as a cook, a nurse, and often a spy. Later, she worked alongside the leading members of the suffragist movement to, cha to champion women's voting rights. She founded a home for the elderly and poor and cared for black orphans.
God bless you. And welcome to the sanctuary here at Bright Temple. We're grateful that God has blessed you to be with us just one more time. And we're thankful for his goodness and his mercy and his kindness that he's shown towards each and every one of us. And I pray that you are feeling that as well on this morning. I want to say to everybody a happy Black History Month. I pray that you have enjoyed this month. I pray that you've experienced the education of the month, taken a moment to learn so many things, and we're celebrating that on today. We pray that you've learned so much so from so many of our African-American ancestors, and we want to share a little bit of that even in the Word today. We're going to share a few things, a few contributors, and even a few quotes that are relative to our text on this morning. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for one more day. We thank you for purpose, Lord. We thank you for waking us up and starting us on our way, Lord. We thank you for giving us health and, and life. Lord, we thank you for strength. We thank you, Lord, even for having a good mind. On this morning, Lord, allow our words to encourage someone. Lord, allow our words that you've spoken to push us along the path of destiny that you've designed for us to help us to reach forward and not backwards, to seek our future and not our past, to strive for that which is ahead with every ounce of our being. And Lord, do not allow any of us to leave this encounter the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless you. We're going to the word in Luke. We're going to Luke, the fifth chapter. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through 26. Again, that is Luke, the fifth chapter. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through 26. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version when I read, so my version may vary a bit from yours. But again, that's St. Luke chapter five. And we'll be looking at verses 17 through 26. While you're reaching for that, why don't you go ahead and tag somebody into this stream? Just type their name right there in the comments. Share this stream on your page. Share this stream on a group page that you belong to. Let somebody else be refreshed by the word that you're hearing on this morning. Just share, tag, repost this stream. That is your way of witnessing and reaching out to someone who may need to hear God's word this morning. Again, we're going to Luke, the fifth chapter, and we'll be looking at verse 17. And the word of the Lord reads, On one of those days, as he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth 
to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately, immediately, he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Truly, we have seen extraordinary things today. This story reminded me, and my thought for this morning is Operation Push. Operation Push. You can share that in the stream tag, that Operation Push. We're going to talk about being pushed. We're going to talk about people who push. We're going to talk about the idea of those who maybe laid the groundwork before us, who helped push us into destiny and push us forward. Understanding that it's going to require perseverance to make it through. It will require perseverance to go forward. Reminds me of the story of civil rights pioneer Amelia Boynton Robinson. She was born August 18th of 1911 in Savannah, Georgia. As a young lady, Robinson became very active in women's suffrage. In 1934, at the age of 23, Robinson became one of the few registered African-American voters in her state. In an era where literacy tests were used to discriminate against African-Americans seeking to vote. Robinson used her status as a registered voter to assist other African-American applicants to become registered voters. In 1930, once married, she and her husband began to work together to bring education, a higher standard of living, and voting rights to African-American poor, most of whom worked as sharecroppers in her area. On February 29, 1964, Robinson became the first African-American woman ever to seek a seat in Congress from Alabama. She was also the first woman to run for this office in the state, winning 10% of the vote when only 5% of the registered voters were African-American. In 1965, Robinson was one of the civil rights leaders that led the famous march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Robinson was gassed and beaten. She lay sprawled and unconscious on the road, beaten and gassed by Alabama state troopers. A white officer with the billy club stood over her. The photo of that shocking moment helped galvanize the civil rights movement. It was taken during what was later called Bloody Sunday, March 7th, 1965, Edmund Pettus Bridge, Selma, Alabama. That attack by white officers against peaceful black demonstrators, the pictures of such horrified the nation and led to the passage of the Voting Rights Act. It also revealed the toughness of Robinson. She was dubbed the matriarch of the voting rights movement. She said later, I wasn't looking for notoriety. I wasn't trying to be famous, but it's that if that's what it took, I didn't care how many look, licks I got. I didn't care how badly they beat me. If it just made me more, it just made me more determined to fight for our cause. President Obama, he honored her 
50 years later, as he clutched her hand while she was in a wheelchair, as they crossed the Selma Bridge in March 2015 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday, Robinson died five months later at the age of 104. President Obama in her, in, at her death said she was strong, hopeful, and had an indomitable spirit. She knew how to push through for progress. Amelia Boynton Robinson's struggle is a good reminder to all of us that people, not the devil, but people will always be your greatest obstacle to progress, even if that person is you. We talk going to our text. The men here had several problems they had to face. And I want to discuss those problems with you. We're going to talk about the physical problem. We're going to talk about the philosophical problem. We're going to talk about the technical problem. And we're going to break those three up as it relates to the problems that these four men faced when carrying their friend to go see Jesus. Let's first talk about the physical problems. The first physical problem was they had to get in the building, get in the building. The crowd had all of the entrances blocked. Every doorway that was possible to get in there close to Jesus was already blocked. It was it, it was crowded with people. And their mass, the, the, the amount of humanity that stood in between these men and Jesus made it impossible to go in through the door. I want to let you know that you don't need to stop pushing just because there is an obstacle blocking the easy way in. Don't stop pushing. Don't stop persevering. Don't stop moving forward because there is an obstacle that is blocking the easy way in. We, we, have, we, have, we have a generation that we've raised where now our children think if it doesn't work the first time, well, it, it must not have been meant to work. Must not have been intended. It must not have been purposed. Must not have been my day. I tried. Something happened. So now I'm quitting. Raising a generation of quitters. Just because they face an obstacle, just because they, they face friction, just because they, they face something opposing them. They just give up. They let go. They relinquish the responsibility. They think that it was not intended to happen just because something goes wrong. We, I was raised by a generation that learned how to struggle. Came out of a generation of, of African-Americans who were, who were raised during the civil rights movement. They understood that anything that was good enough to obtain required struggle. Anything that was worthy to have was worth fighting for. Even the fundamental rights that they were promised in the Constitution, they knew that they were important enough to have those rights, so they struggled for them. They fought for them. Many bled for them, and some even died for these rights. Anything worth having is going to require a push. It's going to require a struggle. Don't stop. Don't turn around. Don't give up. Just because the easy way in to where you're going is blocked by the crowd. Their first obstacle was to get in the building. Understand that obstacles to entry 
are the greatest sign to you that you're headed through the right door. An obstacle in your way ought to be the greatest sign to you that you're trying to enter the right door. Let me give you this. You may open the wrong door, but the enemy never guards the wrong door. Let me say that again. You may on your own open the wrong door, but the enemy never guards the wrong door. That's why it's so easy to get in. The enemy wasn't guarding that position. He wasn't standing in your way. You face no opposition. In fact, even in the world, they'll tell you anything that is too easy to, to achieve, too easy to get. You need to be skeptical of that. The enemy need not guard the wrong door. He's too busy guarding the door to your destiny to try to prevent you from getting in. He doesn't need to stop you from opening the wrong door. He'll let you open it freely. He'll have a clear path to the, to the wrong door because it cost him nothing for you to open the wrong door because you're headed in the wrong direction. Heading in the wrong direction is helpful to him. It assists him in his objective. So be wary of doors that are not guarded by opposition. Be wary of doors that don't require you to push. Be wary of doors that don't require you to persevere. Because the enemy never guards the wrong door. They had to get in the building. The second physical problem that they faced is they had to get past the people. Even inside, once they get through the roof, they climb up on. The, we understand that they had to climb up on the building. And, and to understand, to give you a better understanding of this, this is not built like our typical houses. We have to understand the region, that they're in the Middle East. In this region, they likely had an interior courtyard. That courtyard during the summer months was usually open. But then during the winter months, which gives us a lose that this was this time of year, they put little tiles over that opening. In the summer months, they want the air to come in. They want that, that, that circulation to happen so that they stay cool. But in the winter months during that area, they, in, that, in that era, they put little tiles over the opening to the inner courtyard so they can prevent the cold winds from coming through the house. So these men, they weren't literally breaking the roof, but rather they were removing tiles that were loose, that were covering the open to protect them from the winter winds. So they removed these tiles carefully so that they're up on the building and understand that was no small task for men carrying a man who was lame, who was paralyzed, who could not assist them in getting up the building. But these four men found a way up to scale the wall to get on top of the roof, to remove the tiles to the inner courtyard so that they can then try to lower their friend to see Jesus. They're trying to get in the building, but the next step, the physical problem, is they have to get past the people. Even inside the roof, the man had to be let down in a spot that was in front of the crowd. They had to put him in a spot that was in between the crowd and Jesus. What would the purpose have been if they had opened the roof and let him down in the middle of the crowd and Jesus still could not access him? The point was to get to Jesus. So they had to get in the building and they had to get past the people to try and lay him in a spot that was between Jesus and the crowd. I want 
want you to know and I need you to understand this. I need you to get this in your spirit so you're not surprised when it happens, when you're going forward, when you're pushing towards your destiny. There will always be people in your way. No matter where you're going, no matter what you're pursuing, no matter what you desire, no matter what you want from God, it doesn't matter even if it's spiritual, even if you want something here on earth, if you want something carnal, when you're pushing forward, when you're persevering for something, there will always be people in your way. Always a person is guarding. I told you they're not guarding the wrong door. They're guarding the right door. They're guarding the door to your destiny. There'll be enemies in your way. There'll be people just standing in your way. They're not there to stop you. They're just in the way. And sometimes those people are the most difficult to deal with. Wish I had help here. I I, I had a friend who posted something on Facebook, which I thought was interesting. She, She said, I can't wait to retire. Because when I retire, I said, I'm going to leave my house during rush hour and drive 20 miles per hour to hold up all the people who are trying to get to work. <laughs> Thought that was hilarious. The reason it's hilarious is because we've all been there. You're trying to get to work. You're trying to get to an appointment. And it seems like somebody that has absolutely nothing to do is the person that's driving in front of you and you can't get around them. They're hindering your path. They're, 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 they're holding back your progress. And they're not doing it intentionally, unlike the Facebook post. They're not doing it intentionally. They're just out and they don't have anywhere important to go. They're not in any hurry, but they are in your way. Whether intentional or not, when you're trying to go forward, when you're trying to progress, when you're trying to push and persevere, there will always be people in your way. So don't be surprised when people are in your way. What do you do in the morning? When you have to leave, you have to account for other people. You can't drive straight to your job without expecting there to be cars, expecting there to be traffic, expecting there to be stoplights. There are going to be things that inhibit your progress along the way, so you build that into your time. You build that into your time, make account, account for the, the delays. Account for the people, account for the traffic, account for what will come against you so that your mind will be prepared for what's going to happen. I've shared it several times before. A lot of times in the morning, I'll I'll play one of my favorite songs. It's by Canton Jones. It says, I'm going to stay saved. It's a song that he sings and he talks about different obstacles and he's saying, despite anything that I might face, I'm going to stay saved today. I just want to have that mindset that if I get behind a slow driver, if I get behind somebody who cuts me off, if I get behind somebody who's driving reckless, if I get behind a lot of lights that I didn't expect, I'm just going to have a mindset that I'm going to be okay. I'm going to take account for the fact that there will be people in my way. No point in getting upset about it. No point in getting frustrated. No point in getting mad. No point in allowing your blood pressure to go up. No point in getting out there in a road rage incident and you're endangering your life or the lives of others. Account for the fact that people will be in your way and prepare for there to be obstacles. And that obstacle, nine times out of ten, will be other people. Don't give up just because somebody else got there first. Don't give up just because you're not first in line. Can you imagine all the opportunities that you may have missed if you gave up every time you weren't first in line? Just think about the things that you may have missed because you weren't first in line. You go to the movie theater. Well, somebody's ahead of me. I guess I won't watch this movie. I'll go home. 
You go to the car dealership, you want to buy a new car. Well, they're serving other customers. I guess I'll go home. You go into the store to, to, to buy your groceries and you pull up to the line. Well, there's somebody in front of me. I'll just leave this basket here and I'll go home. All of the things that I, the scenarios that I presented to you sound silly. They sound ridiculous. But many of us, as it relates to pursuing what God has for us, if we see somebody in front of us, we give up. Well, they already have that, so there's no sense in me trying. They've already done that. So I, why would I do it? It's been done before. So why would I do it? As it relates to being done before, just because somebody's done before, doesn't done it before, doesn't mean that you won't reach different people if you try it. Maybe they did it and they reached a certain audience. Maybe you do it, you'll reach a different audience. Don't ever give up just because you're not first in line or just because somebody has done it before. Your time, your turn is coming. Why don't you just hashtag that my turn is coming? Don't give up just because you're not first in line. The other thing I want to tell you is that when I tell you your turn is coming, I said that there are two things they already did. They had to get past. They had to get in the building. We're talking about the physical problem. They had to get in the building. They had to get past the people. And thirdly, they had to get to Jesus. Even with a clear spot between Jesus and the crowd, the men had to create a pulley system. That with ropes that allowed them to, 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 to allow, allow them to let their friend down into the courtyard. They didn't want to drop him. They had to let him down slowly in between the crowd and Jesus. They still had to get him to where Jesus was. They're in the building. They're past the crowd, but they still had to develop. These men were in, had, had, these men had a plan. These men had a strategy. They used ropes and, and, and the bed, the cot that the man was lying on, and they slowly laid him down at the feet of Jesus. I want to let you know that God is giving you resources. God is giving you strategies and plans right now in this season that we're in to help you go to another level, to help you push forward, to help you persevere. To help you get to where God desires you to be, he's given you resources, he's given you strategies, he's given you plans, he's given you grace, he's given you mercy. So that you'll be able to achieve everything that he has just for you. He's already prepared the way. He's already made the plain straight. My, 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 my father, is, even as Martin Luther King quoted, he'll make, the, crooked he'll make the, the, the rough places plain and the crooked places he'll make straight. God is creating a path for you. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above the year able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. God is preparing a way for his people. He's preparing a way for you right now. Even in the midst of your storm, God has given you plans. He's given you strategy. He's given you favor. He's given you grace. He's given you mercy. He's given you the resources that you need to accomplish what he has prepared to take you to another level. What you're suffering with right now, I'm, I'm challenging this for a few people out there. I want to get you out because you, want, you, you don't understand what you're going through right now. You, you, can't, you can't see why I'm suffering so hard right now. 
You don't understand the purpose of this suffering. You don't understand the purpose of this storm. But this is for a few of you out there who are in that strange place where I'm doing God's will. I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. But in the midst of what he's telling me, doing what he told me to do, in the midst of me being obedient to his will, I'm still suffering with something and I don't understand what I'm suffering with. I don't understand what it is I'm struggling with. Why am I struggling right here? Why am I going through this storm? I don't understand the purpose of this storm, but I came to tell somebody this morning what you're going through right now is God preparing you for what's next. What you're going through right now is not for this level. It's not for this level. May not be for the job you're on right now. May not even be for the relationship you're in right now. But God is preparing you for what is about to happen next in your life. So don't worry about why I don't understand the storm. I'm trust. My faith is in God. My trust is in God. David said, preserve me, O Lord, for in thee do I put my trust. Lord, I don't always understand your ways. I don't understand how you do things. I don't understand how you arrange things. I, I don't always understand that. Because your ways are above my ways and your thoughts are above my thoughts. But now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I'm trusting you, Lord, that what I'm going through will not be wasted. The storm I I don't understand right now is for a purpose. And it's preparing me for what you have next in my life. Your storm is not for this level. It's preparing you for the next level in your life. But you understand something? David had a slingshot, but he still had to find the smooth stones. And he had to know how to use it. How did he know how to use it? Because he had to fight the bear. Because he had to fight the lion. The storms that he went through in his path. He didn't understand, why am I fighting this bear right now? Why am I fighting this lion right now? And many of us, like David, we would have had shallow understanding. He would have said later, well, I fought the bear to become a better shepherd. I fought the lion to become a better shepherd. What he didn't understand is fighting the bear and fighting the lion was helping him to prepare to fight for, fight Goliath. So he wasn't fighting the bear and the lion So he could be a better shepherd. He was fighting them in preparation to fight Goliath so he could be a better king. God's not preparing you for the level you're on right now. I wish you'd get that. But what you're struggling with right now, God is preparing you for the next level that's coming in your life. They had to get the man to Jesus. So I told you what. They had to get in the building. Physical problems now. They had to get in the building. They had to get past the people. They had to get to Jesus. And finally, under physical problems, understand we're talking about physical. They had to get the man healed. They had to get him healed. These men had to have enough faith to believe that after all of their efforts, Jesus would have compassion on them. They had to have enough faith to believe, first of all, that he had the power to heal this man. But not only did he have the power, they had to have enough faith in the compassion of our Savior 
to believe that simply laying him at his feet would be sufficient enough cause for Jesus to have compassion on him, for Jesus to heal them. What is the purpose of their efforts if Jesus doesn't heal him? What is the point of their urgency if Jesus doesn't heal him? It makes no sense to climb the wall if Jesus is not going to heal him. Makes no sense to open up the roof and let the man down into the courtyard between Jesus and the crowd if he's not going to heal him. The whole purpose, the whole objective of their mission was to get their friend healed. They had urgency in that moment. They laid it all on the line in that moment. They behaved as if they didn't have another opportunity in that moment. They did not want to miss this destiny opportunity. And to someone out there who needs to hear this, who is on the cusp of your opportunity, who's waiting in the wings to be exposed to opportunity, who's waiting for somebody to tell you to leap, who's waiting on somebody to tell you to jump out by faith, I'm telling you right now is your moment. Now is the time. Now is your time. In fact, I want to say it for myself and, and, and get into this word myself. My time is now. In fact, why don't you say it right there? Why don't you hashtag that? My time is now. I'm not going to wait on the moment. I'm not waiting on another opportunity, but my time is right now. I talked to you about the physical problem. Now let me talk to you about the philosophical problems. The philosophical problems were similar to the physical problems. What's, what's the first philosophical problem? Get past the people. What, 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 what? No, you've already, you've already said that. But no, now we're talking about the philosophical problem. We're not talking about the physical mass of humanity that laid between the man, these men, and getting their friend healed. But how many of you know sometimes you can be in the church, but you're not past the people? But you get that in your heart and your mind right there. You're, you're inside the church, but you haven't gotten past the people. Plenty of people go in church, but Jesus doesn't get in them. And sometimes the reason Jesus can't get in them is because they can't get past the people. They can't get past the people. I'm talking about philosophically, we're not talking about physically. They're in the building. They're in the sanctuary. The word is going forth. Service is happening, but Jesus doesn't get in them because they can't get past the people. Is it because did they see Jesus? Were they exposed to Jesus or were they distracted by the people? Well, the actions of the people inside the church, a distraction to the people who were trying to see Jesus. Bible says in a message, the man, the man said, I would see Jesus. In other words, I'm not trying to look for anybody else. Don't need anybody with a title. Don't need, any, don't need anybody else. I just need to see Jesus. I came here for no other purpose. Don't care what you got on. Don't care what you're wearing. Don't worry about what I'm wearing. I'm trying to see Jesus. They have 
to philosophically get past the people. Some people make it into the sanctuary. Some people make it into the church, but they can't get past the people to see Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up. Sometimes it's hard to see Jesus if you can't get past the people. Let me explain it to you this way. Have you ever been into the, in the hospital, but you don't have the most urgent need? Ever been there? Ever gone to the ER, but they left you waiting for a long time because just, just to explain it as sim simply as I can, you weren't sick enough? You weren't sick enough. You were in the ER. You thought it was an emergency situation, but they left you sitting there for a long time because simply... You weren't sick enough. You weren't the sickest person. You weren't the most urgent need. And a lot of people, let's be honest, you've skipped out on going to the ER because you didn't want to wait a long time. You knew if you went to the ER, unless you were dying, you were going to wait a long time. You didn't want to wait a long time and you knew you'd have to wait because you knew you didn't have the most urgent need. Therefore, other people whose needs were more urgent would be in front of you. What am I talking about? Getting past the people. In church, sometimes that happens as well. Some people skip church because they don't feel sick enough. And I want you to get that. Some people out there, they, they don't go to church. They don't, they don't observe church. They're, they're not looking for church. They're not even streaming church. Church is coming into their computers, into their phones down, but some people are not even observing. They're not interested in that because they simply don't feel sick enough. If they feel sick enough, if they feel the need is urgent enough, they'll find their way in church. You know I'm telling the truth. Many people will find it in church after they've had a near-death experience, after they've almost overdosed on drugs, or after, they, after they've had a, 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 been in an incarceration situation. They'll go to prison, they'll go to jail, and then they'll find Jesus. In other words, they didn't start looking for Jesus because they didn't feel like they were sick enough. They didn't feel like their need was urgent enough. And because it wasn't urgent, they felt like they would be put on weight because they couldn't get past the people. That's the devil. The devil wants you to keep on waiting. The devil wants you to keep on waiting. The devil is not going to say you don't need Jesus. He's just going to say it's not urgent right now. And to somebody right now who's waiting to start your purpose, who's waiting to start your business, who's waiting to write your book, who's waiting to, to move into your destiny moment, I'm coming to tell you right now, the time is now. You ought to be urgent. Don't wait too long. For those who are waiting for an opportunity to come to church, who are waiting to get their lives together before they come to Jesus, don't wait too long. Little song we used to sing, we're in the Sunshine Band Choir, just even before we were teenagers, sang a song that said, you better run to the ark before the rain starts. Message of that song is simple. Before it's too late, you better find and make your way to Jesus, even when you have to get past the people. So I told you the first, the first element of the philosophical problem is getting past the people. The second element of the philosophical problem is this. 
Sounds familiar. Get past the people. I'm saying it again and I'm saying it intentionally. First, we're talking about getting past the people in terms of us trying to relate and trying to get to Jesus for ourselves. People having more urgent needs. But listen there. Listen to this. Sometimes it's your turn. But the person serving you has a need that's more urgent than yours. The person serving you. And I'm trying to talk to some hurt people right now because there are some people who've been in church, who've been exposed to church who've been hurt by church, who've been mishandled by church, who were set aside by church, some who were abused. And let's not talk about church. We're talking about people abused by church people, set aside by church people, emotionally and physically, some sexually abused by church people, not by church, by church people. What happened is they came seeking Jesus But people who had a title had a need that was more urgent than theirs. And they were the one that were serving them. You ever been ministered to by somebody who was more hurt than you were? They're trying to help you, but they're hurt. They're still struggling with their hurt. Ever taken relationship advice from somebody who hadn't gotten over their last relationship? They're still crying even t- every time they talk to you. I wouldn't do it. I'm still upset. They still crying and emotionally involved in a relationship that they lost and they're trying to help you. I'm coming to tell you sometimes that happens in the church. Their need is more strong than your need, but yet they're trying to help you, yet they're trying to serve you. And in the midst of that, you got mishandled. You got hurt. And I want to talk to you because even though you got hurt by people whose need was greater than yours, don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Hurt people hurt people even when they do it unintentionally. All of us have been in the hands of somebody who tried to help us, but their need was greater than ours. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on seeking Jesus Christ. Just because you were mishandled by someone whose need was greater than yours. Another philosophical problem. Get past the people. And again, you have to get past the people. Notice how that relates to our text. Now, the the paralytic man had a need. But there was somebody who had a need that was greater than his. And guess who had the greater need? The people who were sitting there listening to Jesus. The people listening to Jesus. Who do they list? They had the Pharisees, the Essenes, the, the, the Sadducees, the scribes. Those who, who supposedly knew the law. They were the ones sitting there listening to Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' normal crowd. Jesus' normal crowd was fishermen. People who were poor, people who were needy. But he's talking to the presidium of the church. These are the people that had this paralytic man gone to the temple. These are the people that would have tried to minister to him. But yet they have a need that's greater than his need. 
because they have Jesus in front of him, them and they don't even believe him. They have Jesus in front of them and they don't even recognize who he was. They don't even recognize that God is right in front of them. Their need was greater than his, but had he gone to the temple, these people who had a greater need than his would have been the one trying to help him. Get past the people. Third thing I want to tell you is you have to get Jesus' attention. Now, you're with Jesus, but he's distracted by other people. Ever felt needy, but seemed like other people got just what you needed? That had to be how Yairos or Jarius, as we call him, felt. He was trying to seek Jesus, the teacher, to come to his house because his daughter was sick. But then as he's on his way, the woman with the issue of blood comes to Jesus and grabs him by the hem of his garment. And she receives a healing. Jarius had to be out of his mind. He's like, this woman stopped him and got the very thing that I needed. She distracted Jesus' attention. These presidium that I talked about, these Pharisees, these scribes, they distracted Jesus because in the middle of Jesus saying to the man, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Jesus is speaking healing over this man's life. But before he can finish the act, the Pharisees and the scribes begin to mumble and grumble amongst themselves. And Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, I, I know what it is that you're thinking. You're asking how the son of man has authority and power to forgive sins. But he said unto them, how, which is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or rise up, take up thy bed and walk. Jesus is letting these authority figures in the presidium of the church understand these scribes, these Pharisees, these Sadducees understand that he is the son of man. He is the son of God and he has authority not only to heal, but to forgive sins. Notice they didn't have problems with him healing in the name of God. But they had a problem with him forgiving and this man, all he's trying to do is get healed. But in the midst of trying to get healed, Jesus is distracted by the church folks. The church folks are lying in the way of his healing. After you get past the people and get past the people, they still had to get Jesus' attention. The, notice the text says the power of, uh, to heal was with Jesus. That meant God was already with him. What do I mean by that? God was present. God was there. And the church folks didn't even recognize. I want you to get that. God was present. God was ready. God was there to heal them. But yet they didn't even recognize the presence of God. He was not just there to talk to them. But since the presence of God was there to heal, his whole purpose was for that man. Heal him not only on the outside, but to heal him on the inside. Him coming down from that roof wasn't an accident. But God, Jesus was there. His presence was there for the purpose of healing. And that man came to fulfill Christ's purpose for being in there in that moment. I like how Luke says it. Luke says 
The man was healed immediately. The Greek word is parakrama. Luke likes that word. In fact, in relation to healing, Luke uses this word. This is only found 12 times in the Bible and 10 times it's used in the book of Luke. The other two times you find in Matthew. He uses the word parakrama as it relates to this healing instantly, immediately. This man was healed. That's how purpose works. Purpose will make a way in the midst of your storm. Purpose will make a way in the midst of circumstances. This week in the middle, I was helping to create an application, an app for the Apple App Store. And while I was in the middle of creating this app, it, it get a little blurb popped up and it said that my Apple developer account needed to be renewed. So I clicked the button and I was waiting. I was expecting to pay something. I was getting ready to look for a, a, a payment portal, look for a negotiable instrument. But as soon as I clicked to renew that developer account, a little blurb popped up. And it says, it seems like you create only free apps for a nonprofit purpose. And it says, because if you can, if, if it is your intent to use it for this purpose, your account is free. If you intend to use it for this purpose, your account is free. What God was speaking to me in that moment is that purpose was making a way for me. Purpose was opening a door for me. Purpose will open doors for you. If you're living inside God's purpose. Understand that all we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, for them who are called according to his purpose. Last thing I want to share with you is the technical problem. We talked about the physical problem. We talked about the philosophical problem. And I want to talk to you about the technical problem for just a few moments, and then I'm through. The man was actually healed before he claimed it. Jesus wrapped healing and forgiveness in the one phrase he told the man at the beginning. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. There was healing and forgiveness wrapped up into that statement, that declaration by Christ. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Healing and forgiveness both laid within that statement. That's all the man needed to hear. The only reason Jesus came back and said, rise up and walk is because he had been interrupted by the church of folks while he was trying to heal this man. The man was already healed. The man was already delivered. His limbs were already strengthened when Jesus spoke the words, man, your sins are forgiven you. Healing and deliverance in one statement. What I'm telling you right now is don't wait on anybody else to accept what Jesus has already done for you. Don't wait on anybody else's approval to walk into what Jesus already did for you. Don't wait for somebody to like the post on Facebook when you talk about what Jesus has already done for you. If nobody likes it, if nobody embraces it, if nobody accepts it, baby, you need to walk in what Jesus did for you. Whatever he gave you, you ought to walk in it. 
You ought to stand up and be proud in what God has done for you in your life. Don't wait for somebody to accept it. Don't wait for anybody else to like it. All you have to do is walk in what God has already done for you. So while they were arguing about how Jesus said it, all the man had to do was get up and walk. So while they're all in your business, arguing about you, talking about you, throwing shade at you, all you have to do is get up. And I've said this before and I mean it, I believe it in my spirit. As soon as you get up, they'll shut up. As soon as you get up, they'll shut up. The scribes had a lot to say about what Jesus was doing before the man got up. But as soon as the man got up, they shut up. They didn't have anything to say. They didn't have anything to argue. The argument was over. The discussion was moot because the man got up. I'm telling somebody right now while you're laying around acting like you're crippled, while you're laying around as if you don't have purpose, while you're wallowing in despair, while you're wallowing in your feelings. While you're wallowing in what went wrong in your life, I came to tell you, while you're worried about what everybody else is saying, when you get up, they'll shut up. They're going to have to observe what God is doing for you. David said, he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. And while they're there, he anointeth my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David is saying in the middle of my despair, in the middle of what I'm going through, God is going to anoint me. God is going to prepare things for me right in front of my enemies. Remember, people will always, always be in your way. I want to close with this because I need you to evaluate who's around you. Do you have friends like this? Think about these friends. These friends had faith that was so strong, Jesus saw it. When Jesus, when the word says Jesus saw their faith, he's not talking about the man that's being let down on the bed. He's talking about the four friends that were with him that let him down. Do you have people in your life that have that kind of faith that Jesus can see? Do you have that people in your life that that will push you to a position that they can't even reach themselves? Understand the men let the man down to Jesus. They let him down to a position that they themselves didn't even get to. They got him to Jesus, even though they couldn't get there. Do you have friends like that? People that will push you to a position that they cannot even reach for themselves. Do you have people who have more faith in what God is going to do for you than you do? Do you have people who will push past the physical, the philosophical, the technical, the spiritual barriers to help intercede on your behalf? Yes. If you're going to get forward, you're going to need some intercessors. You're going to need some people who will push you. You're going to need some midwives in your life. As black people, we've had many pushers for us. Intercessors and midwives that have helped birth things in us. Men and women upon whose shoulders we stand today. They didn't get there with us, but they helped us to get here. One of those was Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King 
in his last speech there in Mason Temple, the day before he died, he said, well, I don't know what will happen now. He said, we have some difficult days ahead. He said, but I'm not worried about that now. He said, because I've been to the mountaintop. He said, and I don't mind. He said, like anyone, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But he said, but I'm not concerned about that right now. He said, I just want to do God's will. And God has allowed me to go up to the mountaintop. And I looked over and I've seen the promised land. And I might not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm not worried about anything. I'm happy tonight. I don't fear any man. He said, my eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the intercessors that we have in our lives. Lord, I, I thank you for the pushers, the midwives that we've had in our lives. The shoulders of the giants upon whose shoulders we stand today. Thank you for their lives. I thank you for their examples. I thank you for their messages of hope that still resonate in our ears. Lord, I thank you even in this text. You showed us an example of what real friends look like. Real pushers, real motivators, real midwives. I pray that upon us and I pray that upon all the people under the sound of my voice that we have people in our lives that push us forward, that push us towards the destiny that you've designed for us. In Jesus' name. There's someone out there today who's not saved. Why don't you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory. And I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart, wash my mind, wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried, but rose again with all power in his hand. And today, I claim him as my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, come into my heart and I'll make you my Savior and my Lord. If you said that prayer by faith, if you said it with true commitment in your heart, then you are saved. 
Get connected to a ministry. Get connected to a body of believers. If you want to connect with us, just text Bright Temple to 66866. You can connect with this ministry even today. For each of you, my father's children, I pray that you've been blessed by what you've heard on today. I pray over your life that you have intercessors, pushers, midwives that help minister to what God is trying to do for you. You want to understand the purpose of a midwife? The midwife uses the gift that's in them to help them to help you birth the gift that's in you. The midwife uses the gift that's in them to help you birth the gift that's in you. I pray that you have that in your life. Be blessed is my prayer for you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.